Zach on Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan. Think about it, it is right here, it is right now. All in love, so strange. Said you now, How you doing today, James Merrillat? I am doing great, Zach, and I am going to do my best to not make this a three hour victory lap. Oh, geez. Well, I, I'm just not going to let that happen. So, but you can get, you can get that thought <laughs> out of your head right now. <laughs> But it is going to be, uh, you know, a bit of a party. I'm in a good mood. Uh, looks like my guy is going to be the Broncos head coach. And look, listen, I was the first one on it. We all know that. But everybody's welcome to the bandwagon. I- I'm not going to make I, this exclusive. I feel like we should go back and read your tweets after Nathaniel Hackett was hired. I feel like this. Like, no, no, don't, don't be, if we're gonna if we're gonna go full don't blown, be like, to Mike Evans. Here. Hey, this is all about James, and we haven't even got to the news yet. I'm glad you brought up the Mike Holy Evans misinformation campaign. If you haven't noticed, James Merlat is filling in for Brandon Stokely today. Just because I was in favor of Kevin O'Connell last year, and he was my choice, doesn't mean I have to rip everything Nathaniel Hackett does. Right? Like. I'm a D'Amico Ryan's guy. If they'd have yes, hired, you are. If I'd have hired, if they'd, have, if the Broncos hire Dan Quinn, nothing's official yet. If they hire Dan Quinn, we go down to the press conference, and I think he's impressive in the press conference. I can't say that. Oh, of course, of Even course. But you were Gaga. But you were Gaga. Like Nathaniel Hackett could do no wrong at the outset. You were Gaga over Hackett. Look, uh, look. You, he followed Vic. Anybody was going to look good you, for a while. You, you um, have been a D'Amico Ryan's guy, and the reason that you're bringing it up, if uh, you're you're just joining us, we haven't got to it yet. James is in his own way here. Um, Mike Kliss has put out an article. Within the last, what are we talking about, 25 minutes or yeah, so? Yeah. That uh, San Francisco, well, I'm just going to read a little bit if you don't mind here. No, go for it. San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans has emerged as a top candidate to become the Denver Broncos' next head coach. Other Broncos' head coaching candidates remain in the mix, including, he goes, Dan Quinn, Sean Payton, uh, Jim Caldwell is still in there, according to Mike Kless's sources. But Ryans appears to be a top choice. Broncos CEO and owner Greg Penner has spent the last few days regrouping, is that key word again, with others involved, um, Carrie Penner, Rob Walton, Condoleezza Rice, as well as GM George Payton. Are they at a hunting lodge? <laughs> Penner appears to have taken a meticulous approach to the head coaching search, which includes follow-up conversations, both inside and outside team headquarters to gain more information on the candidates and to gauge their interest in the top job. If Penner wants to interview Ryan's for a second time, he will have to wait until early next week. 49ers uh, are playing Sunday. We know that against the Eagles, and you got to wait. So um, just a little bit more here. Cliss goes on to say if the Broncos do visit with Ryan's for a second time, Penner is expected to be joined by fellow owners Rob Walton, Carrie Penner, uh, who have been involved in the process. Okay, so that's kind of the meat of it. That's kind of the meat of it, James, that D'Amico Ryans is floating to the top. There's a lot to get to here. This is not an official report that he's, they're going to hire D'Amico. He's no. not even calling him the top candidate. Yeah, I was just going to say, the key word is uh instead of the. Yeah, so... 
What does a top choice mean? It, it, it means that he's you... He's a finalist? It means that... Well, he's... Like, you already have your finalist. I think it means... This is how I'm interpreting it, that Kliss wants to call him the top candidate. He, like, is calling him the top candidate right. without actually using the word the and using a uh instead. He's, he's giving himself and or the Walton Penner family ownership group a little bit of wiggle room yeah. if something doesn't work out. Yeah. Right? Because if you say he's a top choice and they end up going Dan Quinn... Well, yeah, he was a top choice, but Dan Quinn was too. And you can kind of, you know, maneuver your way out of that. If you say he's the top choice and they go Dan Quinn, then it begs the question, well, what happened? Yeah. Well, how do you go right. from number one right. to not number right. one? Right, right. So he either had to bomb the interview or you couldn't get negotiations or whatever. Something had to happen. I think it's pretty clear now, barring something unforeseen, D'Amico Ryans is going to be the next head coach of the Broncos. That's all I would take. It. Very possible. I mean, this is, we talk about like tea leaves and doing like our investigative yeah. stuff because we haven't got enough material to actually react to. This would be that. Like, th- th- like th- this would be, um, this represents what we've been missing here for the last five or six days. Well, and it would explain the radio silence, too, from Dove Valley. Sure. They can't do anything until D'Amico Ryan's is done with this weekend. Right. Right. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Right. We, t- we talked about it yesterday of... The reason the the uh, Robson Walton hunting story gained traction is because it did provide an explanation as to why the Broncos hadn't done anything in five days, now six, of, well, one of the people involved is out of town. He's, uh, he's unable to be there. I'm not saying it was true, but that's why it gained traction because it's like, well, that makes sense. This also makes sense of, well, why has nothing happened? Because D'Amico Ryans is their guy. And they can't do anything this week because he's preparing for the NFC title game. My, my, my question is, uh, was this the thought when the radio silence started or was there developments during the time the radio silence started and then you've arrived at D'Amico Ryan's? That's I, my question. I, and that's a good question. I, I think we got to go back and, and look at some of the other tea leaves we were reading yesterday. They interviewed D'Amico Ryan's last Thursday, so a week ago today. Because then Dan Quinn was Friday, if if my memory serves. D'Amico Ryans then fairly shortly after, probably a day, maybe two, over the weekend, canceled his interviews with the Colts and the Cardinals. Correct. So that, to me, suggested, well, either he he thought the process was just something he wasn't ready for. Like, the interviews went so bad, he's like, I I, got to just, I need to be a D.C. a little longer. Or it went so well. He wasn't going to waste his time or those teams' time because he knew he had a gig. It, 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 to me, those are the only two explanations as to why you would cancel them. I think that this has been in place for maybe not the entire radio silence, but most of it. But, uh, what, what what are you drawing from that would, would lead you to believe uh, Just when, that statement? when D'Amico Ryan's canceled the other interviews. Okay. Right? Like, if he didn't know, hey, I got a pretty darn good shot at this job, well, heck yeah, you'd go to Indianapolis and okay. you'd go to Arizona. He's got connections to Arizona. There are some people now... And Cecil Lammy wrote about this at denversports.com. There are people now in Arizona as the new GM and things like that that had Houston ties. Obviously, D'Amico Ryans has Houston ties. Like, he would have had a pretty good chance of being in that mix. And to just cancel it, that to me says you think you're getting the Broncos job. That, that, because I'm going with the positive explanation as opposed to the negative one, which is, man, I bombed that and I'm not ready. I just don't think that's what happened. No, I don't think, but, but I don't think it has to be one or the other. Um, I don't know. 
So I don't, I, I, I genuinely don't know how we've arrived at this point where Mike Kliss is putting out this article. Mike's going to join us um, in about an hour to discuss this uh, piece that he just released on Nine News that has D'Amico Ryans emerging as a top candidate. I, I don't, if I took this report on face value, like legitimately on face value, this actually does nothing for me. Because he's actually not saying anything that we didn't know yesterday. Was D'Amico Ryan's a top candidate yesterday? Of course he was. Actually, reports were coming out yesterday on basically this from other people not named Mike Kliss. Well, that there's D'Amico a, there's... Ryan's is like building momentum with this Broncos uh, job. And this doesn't tell me that much different than what we were hearing yesterday. But if you dig into this, there is a name that's not on it that was prominent yesterday in the conversations. David Shaw is nowhere mentioned in this. Mm. Now, good point. Is David Shaw, though, the experienced coach that is a part of D'Amico Ryan's staff? Is he the See, offensive that, coordinator? That's what I had thought initially when we found out well, that Jim he interviewed last weekend, not this past weekend, the weekend before that, when we found out after the fact that it was last Friday he interviewed him. That's when light bulbs started going off for me. It's like, oh, my gosh, is Jim Harbaugh truly back in play? Right, right. And it, it, it makes sense, too, then, why David Shaw isn't interviewing with other teams because he's not really a head coach candidate, right? Like that was, that was kind of, I, yeah. not to put words in your mouth, but that was kind of our concern with it. Like, why is Denver the only team interested in him? Right. The Stanford connection is right. that strong. Right. Well, if he's coming to be an assistant coach or he's the assistant head coach and offensive coordinator, he's the experienced guy in the room. Okay. That starts to make a lot more sense. Um, they're both at the moment in that part of the country. So that'd be a pretty easy uh, conversation to have between uh, Greg Penner and, and the group with each of those candidates. Heck, maybe even they've talked. You never know. I do take it, though. I get what you're saying. There's nothing juicy and new in here in terms of a quote from Greg Penner saying, we love D'Amico Ryans, right? Like, there's, that's yeah. not in here. Yeah. But there's also the, well, why do, why do you put it out? Of course. Right? Of course. No, this is why we're, this is why this is our, our lead here because the words, that's why I made sure to say specifically, if I took it purely on face value, yeah. there's nothing tangible enough that would flip this race. But we know when Mike puts out a report like this, that's, you know, I'm holding it in my hand. It's, you know, two and a half pages long. There's a reason that he's writing about D'Amico Ryans today. And I know you're really excited about it because you have been on the D'Amico Ryans train. I'll look at the other side of the coin that this is not a good thing at all for the Denver Broncos. And we'll take a dive into that conversation coming up next. Denver sports station. One Oh four, three, the fan presents Stokely and Zach. So the news coming out uh, from Mike Kliss, and I don't know how big of news it is because the words on face value aren't as definitive as some sort of, hey, this is the this is the definitive top choice. But D'Amico Ryans continues to build and gain momentum. We heard uh, this sort of vibe coming out yesterday from a couple national guys, and now the boots on the ground are syncing up with what we heard yesterday. And real quick, because we have our dude, Brock Hewitt of Brock and Salka, Seattle Sports. 710 joining us courtesy of elite sportsbook on the johnson auto plaza hotline brock um uh james Merrillat from denversports.com is filling in for stoke today james is super excited he loves D'Amico ryan's he has been advocating for D'Amico ryan's mm-hmm. and and brock i don't want to um tell james in any way shape or form he's wrong 
because D'Amico Ryans could be the perfect fit for what the Denver Broncos are looking for. But here's what I do know, that the reporting from 14 to 17 days ago of what this ownership group was looking for at the outset and what was the most important in their search lined up with what we determined as what the tiers were. D'Amico Ryans was in tier number three, and he's got the least amount of coaching experience of any, literally any of the candidates. So while he could be the perfect fit, we've arrived at a destination that the GPS didn't set out for two and a half weeks ago. Well, two things come to mind. Uh, First thing for either of you men, have either of you ever sat on a hiring committee have you ever have you ever had that opportunity whether it's a a coach uh, an executive have either of you ever had a chance to be a part of this yeah. a little bit yeah yeah i think that's valuable and i'll speak from life experience sitting in on a couple different coaching hires uh, at the high school level is you've got to eliminate bias so you may go in with your plan and you may go in with this is what we're searching for and, but you have to you have to have open eyes and open ears to be willing to be blown away, and that has to be what happens here. I think Jim Harbaugh was the guy. I think in some ways he was. I can't go on record and say he was offered the job, but I, I can I can say very definitively that if he wanted this job, it was his. Mm. And ultimately. I think he looked at the factors of play and just said, for whatever reason, nope, not now is not right, you know, just not the right time. So then you go in and through this process, and if he's on your third tier because he's not coached before, and we can't go down this road, and we have had nothing but first-time coaches, and you, and you have that bias affect your decision-making, you fail. You fail. You have to be willing to go in and, and, yes, this is our structure. Yes, this is what we're looking for. But if I'm blown away by the talent, I'm sorry. i got to take him. I'm sorry. I have to take Russell Wilson in the third round, Pete Carroll. And this was John Schneider to Pete Carroll 11 years ago. I'm sorry. I'm blown away. I'm blown away. And I'm going to stand on the table, and you don't want to do this pick in the third round, but I do. And I'm going to make this pick because I'm blown away, and I don't care that he's 5'10 and 5'8s. And it's a good thing John Schneider did that because they went to two Super Bowls and won one as Russell was the perfect final piece to to that system and what they needed in that building. Kevin Demoff, I know pretty darn well down in Los Angeles. He's the son of my former agent and about my age. Mm. And when Sean McVay was hired, he was not number one on their list. But they were so blown away that they couldn't let him out the door. And when he called Wade Phillips and said, hey, I, I know you're probably worried about my coordinator, D coordinator. Here, talk to Wade. I got it done. And they just, you know, he left the room and they all looked at each other and said, got to, got to pull the trigger. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Brock. Like, if you're not willing to pivot once you've been blown away by a guy, then why are you even going through the process? Why are you even having him come in? You're wasting his time and your time. So I don't think this is a bad thing at all. I, I do think, though, and I'm curious because, you know, obviously he's been in San Francisco. They play Seattle twice a year. So the last two years you guys have seen him up close and personal four times. I have some people telling me, Oh, he just inherited Robert Saleh's defense and didn't make it any better. You would know better than anybody. What do you see when you when you look at D'Amico Ryan's defense and just D'Amico Ryan's as a coach, whether it's on the sideline, interacting with players? Like, what kind of jumps out at you? Well, I'll use an old Jim Harbaugh. He started on third base. Okay, he's, yeah. he started he started on third base with the talent. 
All right, Bosa and Armstead and Fred Warner and those guys were there, and and they're freak shows, man. I mean, they are just freak daddies that just, yeah, I, I think you could have a lot of guys that would go in there and, and find success. But to watch his team play with the ferocity they do, game in, game out, month in, month out, season in, season out, that 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 resonates to me. Right now, that's one side of the ball, and, and I understand that. And you know what? There is no substitute for experience. So I get, Zach, why he may have started on that third tier, because this ownership group is bright. They're calculated. They know what they want. They've been incredibly successful in business and in governance and in other areas as a, as a group and as a team. And they know the value of experience, that there is no substitute for it as a radio host, as an analyst, as a salesperson. There's none. But they also know that in situations like this, if you're blown away by the talent, you're blown away by uh, the acumen, you're blown away by his track record, you're blown away by the phone calls you've made to others as you've now started to connect the dots, then, as James said, you've got to be willing to pull the trigger. Well, I hope, see, the way that we're going about this conversation is that this is like, there's like this singular assumption that he blew everyone away in the interview. And while he must have performed well in the interview, I think that I don't want to just assume that was the natural process as opposed to other people saying no to this job. And then you arrived at D'Amico Ryan's like and both of those two things might be working together. Like, I have no doubt there's a reason D'Amico has been interviewed. He's got a great defense and he seems like he seems terrific energy and a, a, a solid candidate. But I don't want to also act like, hey, um. D'Amico Ryan's leapfrogged Sean Payton and Jim Harbaugh. Right. Like, did you try for Jim Harbaugh? I think so. Did they want Sean Payton? I think so. Um, And for whatever reason, those things fell through. So now you're relegated to your third option to prom. That doesn't mean that it's not going to work out at the end of the night. Um, But... But he's not been there, and he's not done it, and there's going to be a learning curve. And just as there was with Nathaniel Hackett, I'm sorry, there's going to be a learning curve when you've got to lead an entire group of men, when you've got to lead a locker room, when you've got to lead bigger coaching staffs than any coach has. Maybe part of the struggle with all these first-time head coaches, too, is these staffs are no longer eight coaches, ten coaches, twelve coaches. Right. Watch Hard Knocks and look at the room that yeah. Dan Campbell has got to speak to and lead. <laughs> right? Why have there been so many busts? Why is this a one-and-done? Why Urban could do it in college and not in the pro? Well, there's multiple reasons for that always but now you're having to lead so many more personnel so there will be and i'm sure from a from a business and and from an ownership standpoint there was more comfort zach with somebody that's been there and done it in in sean and jim recently in the nfl right i mean there's like there's certainly a comfort with that experience but you also coming back to james point man when you know and if you know you've got to be willing even if it means, gosh, first-time head coach, first-time head coach, first-time head coach, yep. failure, failure, failure. Yep. Just because of all those others failed, you you can't just lump that next guy, right? Eventually, you got to pull the trigger. Eventually, you got to go. And and he must have some special sauce to be ahead of the rest on this list of the remaining candidates. Hey, Brock, with the other candidates, especially – Jim Harbaugh and Sean Payton, guys that have done it. Even Jim Caldwell to some extent, right? He's he's won in multiple places. He's been to a Super Bowl. A lot of it was, hey, they can quote-unquote fix Russ. Any chance, since this is seems to be the opposite of trying to fix Russ, that this is, hey, it's a first-time head coach, we know we need to rebuild, and Russell Wilson's a post-June 1 cut, and they just hit the reset button? 
No, too way too much dead cap, way too much money. I, I think you're going to tackle the coach this year, and you're going to give Russ one more year. And he at least showed you in the last couple weeks when put in a place and a position, and D'Amico Ryan's from a, a defensive mindset, you know, and, and a defensive-minded guy is going to want to protect the ball and going to want to run the ball, and he's going to ask, you know, I think Russell Wilson to not be volume, to not sit in the pocket, to not do what he doesn't do best, but actually play to the entirety of the group. James, I'd be pretty shocked. I, I just don't. I don't think it's going to happen. We're having that conversation in Seattle about Jamal Adams, right? That was two firsts. They're paying him an extraordinary amount of money. It's twenty-three million in dead cap. Whether you cut him before June first and eat it all, or spread it over two years, I don't. I don't know if they can do that. And and Russ's, you, you know those numbers better than yeah. I. It's five uh, times that. Yeah, literally. Yeah. You just you're going to deal with the coach this year. And you're going to give him Russell Wilson for, and Russell's going to have to have approve it in next year. That's a conversation, I think, 12 months from now. Yeah, I think you're right on that, Brock. Uh, hey, great stuff as Where's always. Stoke? Where is Stoke? Where is um, Stoke? This is usually when he turns the table on me and says, oh, look at you. <laughs> yeah, hey, you're yeah. back to back. Wait, hey, where is it? Make sure you remind him next week. He's been giving you a hard time. Stoke is uh, in an undisclosed oh. uh, clandestine uh, oh, nice. a destination that we nice. may or may not hear about next week. So. <laughs> okay. Well, I appreciate you boys continuing to do what you do. Marilot, you mix it up with everybody. It is a breath of fresh air. Appreciate it. Keep killing it, man. Uh, thank All you, right, Brock. That was Brock Heward of Brock and Salk on Seattle Sports 710, courtesy of Elite Sportsbook. Love catching up with Brock. I'll tell you, uh, and, and if you're just joining us, um, the news sort of, I don't want to say breaking, but really in the minutes right ahead of us signing on the air, D'Amico Ryans, according to Mike Kliss, is emerging as a top candidate. And I'll tell you who this is a major win for if we can continue to go down this D'Amico Ryan's road. We'll tackle it coming up next. You're listening to Stokely and Zach on Denver Sports Station, 1043 The Fan. His palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti, he's nervous. But on the surface, he looks calm and ready to drop bombs. But he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down. The whole crowd goes so loud. He opens his mouth, but the words won't come out. He's choking how? Everybody's choking now. The clock's run out. Time's up. Over. Blast. Snap back to reality. Man. Oh, there goes gravity. Oh, there goes Getting uh, updates on this coaching search. But really... Keep this low, hold, though. I want to say something like, talk about sports. Uh, this is total, just separate aside really quick before we dive back into this. We talk about sports, and I'll say something to Stokely every so often. I say, you can't you can't duplicate being starving. There's only one version of being starving, brother, and yeah. that's being starving. You can't fast for a day and convince yourself you're starving. There's only one version of it. This dude's voice right here, this is someone who's starving. This is someone who's hungry. And when you can drop a ne- an album the rest every year for the rest of your life, you can never go back to your mindset there on 8 Mile and you're just your whole framework of your life. And then you're sleeping in silk sheets a couple of years later and you try to recreate it. You just can't. Well, and that's been my point about Sean Payton all along, right? And it's, it's not a knock at Sean Payton that he's gotten to a point in his life where he's had success as a coach. He's got a Super Bowl ring. He's making $10 million a year to go stand on a set and have awkward conversations with Terry, Howie, and Michael. Like, that's not, but you think he's going to leave that and have the same hunger he did at 46 when he got the job in New Orleans and was trying to prove everybody that, hey, I can do this. And it wasn't Bill Parcells in Dallas that made Tony Romo work. It was me. Yeah. Like, you you just can't recreate that. You can't. And, and it doesn't mean you can't find other motivations. Sure. 
But, but, that, but that version, that 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 version. Well, and to me, that's what makes Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, yeah. people like that so amazing. Yeah. Is once you've got a couple, to keep having the hunger to put in that work. Yep. And, you know, you hear all the stories, and you think back to the last dance of how Michael Jordan would just create these things to motivate himself. Mm-hmm. You have to. Yeah. You have to imagine people are sliding you. Because there's no other actual real motivation at that point. When you've got all the money in the world, you can't possibly spend it. You're a celebrity. uh, Anywhere you go in the world, people recognize you. You're an endorser. You've got rings. Like, what motivates you? you got to imagine that people are sliding you. Those are very rare, special people. It is. They can stay motivated once they've been It is. It is. It just struck me when I heard his voice. He's not saying anything. It's just the stress in his voice. Yeah. And one of my favorite quotes of all time is from the old boxer Marvin Hagler. He said, it's tough to get out of bed and do road work at 5 a.m. when you've been sleeping in silk pajamas. Very, very true. Thanks, Kiss. Um, going to the last break, uh, I said that um, if this D'Amico, right, and if you're just joining us, Mike Kliss put out a, a, an article uh, at 9 Rocky Three was such a great movie, by the way. Right? He had to go back to L.A. and kind of live in the crappy apartment mm-hmm. and get out of his comfort zone yep. where, you know... Uh, Leroy Neiman was there painting him while he was training. The music was playing. Like, I get it. It's a movie, but, like, there's a lot of truth to there that, is, right? There so, is. Anyhow, there sorry, is. No, no, no. It's good. Um, minutes before we came on the air, Mike Kliss put out an article that D'Amico Ryans has really, James, gone to the forefront of this coaching search. And James Marilat from DenverSports.com filling in for Brandon Stokely today. It's, it's D'Amico Ryans who continues to build momentum. We heard his name yesterday from a couple national guys. Now we're hearing it uh, from uh, our local guy who's very connected with the team, Mike Kliss, who will join us in less than one hour. You're not going to want to miss that conversation. But I said going to the last break, if this continues to go in this direction, to me, this is unequivocally a massive, massive victory and development for one guy in the Broncos. You could probably steal the thought from my head. But George freaking Payton, the current general manager, for a lot of other guys that we viewed in that tier one, that those guys could come in and handpick their general manager. D'Amico Ryans, who's the least experienced coaching candidate among the field, does not have the equity in this league to come in and handpick his GM. I think George Payton remains general manager of the Denver Broncos at least through the 2023 season. Yeah, I would agree with you. Uh, I, I, I find it difficult to believe that D'Amico Ryans is going to be able to pull a Kyle Shanahan and say, yeah, I'll take the job, but here's my GM. This is the guy I want, right? And that's what Kyle Shanahan did with John Lynch. Right. Now, it was smart because I think a lot of what's been wrong with this organization for the past few years is it's been so disjointed. The head coach and the GM have always been brought in at different times. They weren't on the same page. Who hired who? Uh, You know, if you look at San Francisco, and this is what, their third NFC title game in four years? Correct. It's been working pretty well. It doesn't mean all their steps have been right. Trey Lance doesn't look like a very good step. Right. But the, the the head coach and the GM are heading in the same direction with the same plan, and they're, they're both in agreement on it. I kind of hope D'Amico Ryan says, hey, this is what worked in San Francisco, so if I'm going to take a job, this is what I want to do. That just takes a lot of uh, cachet to be able to pull that off. It does. And I don't know that he's there. He is a hot commodity in terms of coordinators, maybe the hottest at the moment. But, boy, I, I just don't feel like he's got that kind of uh, equity, I think is the term you use. And I yeah. Think, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. I just don't think you can do that. So you're probably right. This is probably good news for George Payton. I don't know that that's terrible news for the for the Broncos. I, I, I know DMAC will, will suggest it is. I'm not a huge George Payton fan, 
right? I think everybody's just uh, anointed him as this great GM because he won some award a year ago. It's like pump the brakes. Which is, by win. the way, the most foolhardy award that you could ever possibly no win. Doubt. And, and, and looking at it with the benefit of hindsight, and I understand you know, so much of this business is just that, but we kind of celebrated George Payton getting awarded best draft before those draft picks actually played a down of football. Me and Stoke for six years have had this rule, like you can't evaluate a, a rookie a rookie or a class until two years in. It starts to kind of right. form. Um, doing it a couple days after the draft just seems like a fool's errand. Yeah, because I think even after a year, you probably would have said Bradley Chubb was a better pick than Josh Allen. Yeah, yeah, maybe and, so. And I think that's even now two years in, Pat Sertan or Justin Fields, it's more debatable now than it was a year ago. Correct. And Pat Sertan's coming off a year in which he was a consensus all-pro everywhere. Right. And it's still more debatable. So, yeah, you got to give it some time. I, I just think George Payton still has time to be vindicated, right? Like, if, if Russell Wilson is fixable and he turns into Russell Wilson, George Payton's going to look pretty smart again, right? But if he turns out to be – he's washed – well, then George Payton's the worst general manager in the history of the organization. One of the worst in the in the history of the NFL. Right. And, and, so, and that's like the fickle intersection that we're at. Right. It's like if this thing falls the wrong way, we could literally be talking about George Payton doing as much damage to this organization as any leader in the history of the franchise. Which makes for an interesting piece of this equation if you're George Payton. Because, yes, you're in this process and you're trying to pick the coach you're trying to steer him toward the coach that'll keep you around, right? Dan Quinn, D'Amico Ryans. But also, don't you kind of want the coach who's going to fix Russ so it saves your reputation? Sure. Would you rather have Dan Quinn come in here, keep your job, and Russell Wilson's a bust, or Sean Payton comes in here, you get fired, and he fixes Russell Wilson and saves your reputation? Gosh, that's a funny one. I don't know, right? Like, if you're ever going to get if – if he saves your job by bringing in Dan Quinn and Russ is a disaster, he saved it for a year, maybe two. If you get broomed, Russ turns out to be fixable and is still Russ, you're going to get another gig. So that's actually the long-term play right. is make sure you bring in someone here who can fix Russ, you know, even if it's to your short-term disadvantage. And, and it's, I think it's a really interesting point that you raise. If Russell Wilson doesn't bounce back this year – George Payton will never get another general manager no. job in this league, ever. You don't overcome that. No, nope. you just don't. You, you do not. You do not. And it's a double whammy. It's the biggest trade in NFL history, arguably, combined with, um, you know, the, the, the second largest uh, contract in the NFL right now for a quarterback. A year before it had to be done, those are just gashes that the, the scar will be there. But if he turns it around, yeah, and we see Joe Burrow get a $350 million contract, and then Russell Wilson comes out and has a great year, we could be like, you know what? He got a pretty good deal on Russ. Like, that sounds crazy right now. Yes, it does. I get it. But it's not outside the realm of possibility that a year from now, we're going to be saying, you know what? They were really smart for two reasons. One, they actually saved a little money. And two, Russell Wilson could have forced his way out of town after after the Nathaniel Hackett disaster. It could have been a one-year, like, I don't want any part of this mess. I'm out of here. Thank goodness he... He locked him up, so they got a chance to get D'Amico Ryan's in here, get this thing fixed. Whew, George was a genius. It, it, it could happen. Well, I'll tell you this. On the heels of you saying that, this next year will expose one of two people. And that's coming up next.
Zach on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. year, someone is going to be exposed a little bit. To what degree? Not sure. James Merrillat from DenverSports.com filling in for Brandon Stokely today. James, for years we had an argument about a coach and a quarterback and who deserved more credit. Right. And that was Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Right. The two split up. The most winning quarterback in the history of the league joined the most losing franchise of all time. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, worst winning percentage in the history of the NFL. They won a Super Bowl. Bill Belichick hasn't got past the first round since Tom Brady left. He's been in the playoffs once in three years, and he lost 47-7. to seven. Yeah, and gave, had, gave up 7-for-7 seven seven on, on touchdown drives, if my memory serves in that playoff Tom game. Brady's been in the playoffs all three times, won a Super Bowl. Last year, he lost on a last-second field goal to the eventual champs. And then this year, they didn't play very well against Dallas. Right. So... So, does that mean Bill Belichick's a bad coach? Of course not. That's why I said in the setup, to what degree someone will be exposed? Not quite sure. And it's not going to be as extreme as, you know, Brady going to win a Super Bowl. But. It might be. Oh, maybe. Maybe. This morning we got the news that Nathaniel Hackett is going to be the new leader of the New York Jets offense. Mm -hmm. Robert Sala is a defensive guy. Mm -hmm. So, Hackett is essentially going to be the CEO on that side of the football. We saw how it went this past year. The Broncos were the worst offense in the NFL. They were the worst third down team in the NFL. They were the worst red zone team in the NFL. It was, at a certain point, the worst offense in the history of the Broncos. Going back, like, to the 70s, when the the rules have changed. It's like, they had some bad offenses, trust me. So that was saying something. It it was remarkable how bad it was. I watched Steve Tinsey, people like that play. Like, it was brutal. Okay, so, is it Russ? Was it Hackett? Well, now Hackett's going to a pretty bad offense in New York, mm-hmm. and Russ is going to be the common denominator in Denver year over year. How does this age? Well, and I, again, Will Peterson mentioned this last week on Coffee Break, so I, I want to give him credit. It feels like it's another hiring of Nathaniel Hackett to try and lure Aaron Rodgers, right? Like, there have been rumors of him going to the Jets anyway. Yep. This makes sense. The way they're trying to justify it in New York today without saying anything about Aaron Rodgers because it would be tampering is kind of comical because on the surface, there's no reason you would hire Nathaniel Hackett to come fix your offense. None. Now, not just for what they didn't he did in Denver this year, which was an abject disaster. If you could just say, yeah, he wasn't a good head coach, but look at what he did as an offensive coordinator. Well, he didn't really do it in Green Bay. He wasn't calling the plays. No. He was good for like one year in Jacksonville. 2017. Literally one year. The following year, he got fired 11 games in. Goodbye. Right? He's he's off the Doug Marone tree. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's just this nothing there that you would say, yeah, which is what we also looked at a year ago. There's nothing there that would suggest, yeah, this is the guy that's going to fix your offense. Nothing. He was good as the offensive coordinator with Aaron Rodgers when he wasn't calling plays. That, that to me, isn't the guy you're going to bring in to fix it. So it, it stands to reason that they're bringing him in because they think they can get Aaron Rodgers there if he's there. And you know what? He'll probably do pretty well if they do get Aaron Rodgers because he can play. They know each other well. It will work out fine. If they don't get Aaron Rodgers, it's going to be the same kind of disaster they had here. 
With, Top- with Joe Flacco and Zach Wilson? <laughs> Look, uh, that, that kid, yeah. Mike White? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I have no idea Come on. W- what their plan is. I have no idea if Aaron Rodgers is going to go there. That is juicy. I mean, it really is. And then, I don't know if you saw this, but Tom Brady was caught on camera in Miami yesterday touring a kid's school, and there's some, you know, and it was pretty invasive. Like, a guy was like, you going to come play for the Dolphins? Like, it's like, come on, dude, that's not cool. But um, his so wife it, lives there, though. It, so that makes yep. sense the kids would go to school there. Yep, yep. Doesn't yep. mean he's going to play there. Yeah, but you're parlaying that with um, what we learned last year, which True. he's meeting on a boat with Sean Payton and, and Stephen Ross, and the Dolphins literally don't have their first-round pick because tampering with Brady so you're connecting dots from a year ago. I'm just imagining an AFC East that has Aaron Rodgers quarterbacking the Jets, Tom Brady quarterbacking the Dolphins, Josh Allen quarterbacking the Bills. Yeah. Um, and Mac Jones quarterbacking the Patriots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but but maybe Rodgers does go there. That would be an NFL shakeup. Yeah, for sure. Biggest market in the world. You're talking about maxing out your primetime games. That would be that. The parallels between him and... And Brett Favre remarkable. are already kind of freaky. It's remarkable. That would be really freaky. Both transitioning from the Packers to the Jets, both contemplating retirement for a couple of years in a row and dragging yeah. it out and sort of like, you know, dramatizing the whole thing. But well, here's here's my question. Both two for six for 12 yards on their last six passes at Lambeau. <laughs> their last pass at Lambeau was a pick uh, you know, to end their season. Let me ask you this. Hackett had to do some creative explaining away what happened in Denver. He did. How well, do you think that went? That was a lot of chucking someone under the bus, right? Or multiple someones under the bus. And I think it starts with Russell Wilson. I think it probably continues on to the organization. I think a lot of it is, hey, I was hired to do one thing. George Payton made this big move and then forced me to do a, B, and C with Russell Wilson, that wasn't how I wanted to do things, right? Like, you you, could, you you would just try to take as little responsibility as possible for it. It was a mess. It was a mess. It, it was that. Um, would it be kind of an easy job to explain it in a way? Right now, yeah. Right, like, like right now, if, if he was in this, these you know, interviews this past week t- talking about uh, Nathaniel Hackett, what went wrong in Denver? Would he have to honestly just tell the truth? Is there, well, enough, is there enough truth involved that works in his favor? Mm, no. No, because he was the head coach. So ultimately, anything that went down was on him. Uh, you know, we, we saw this in Gary Kubiak's final game when, when John Elway told him to play Paxton Lynch, mm-hmm. and he said, no. Right. I, I'm, the, I'm playing Trevor Simeon. Right, like, right. John's not going to come down there on the field in yeah. the game and make the switch. Yeah. So, no, Nathaniel Hackett ultimately was responsible for it. If George Payton said, hey, this is what I promised the rest of people, you could have been a big boy and said, sorry, I didn't. Yeah. And that's not how I operate. That's not how I'm doing things. But at the time, we couldn't have known that it was going to go this bad. So I think in the at the outset, Hackett was probably making every concession he was asked. Because sure. it's like, remember him at the point? Hey, it's Russell freaking Wilson, y'all. Get excited. Like, yeah. I could see him like, yeah, 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 check, of course, whatever you need. But then at a certain point being like, oh, my gosh. But he didn't object to any of it along no, the way. No, he, so was a, it, he was a disaster. It's on him. But I think it's as easy for him to explain away why he was bad as it is for me and Derek Wolf and everybody on Team Russ to put all the blame on Hackett. You're one of the threes. Yeah, I'm, 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 in, the, I'm in that group, right? And so I'll admit, though, that that's easy to just blame it all on Hackett. But here's the beauty of it. 
We're going to find out. Yeah. Right? They're going to line up in September and play again. How about that? And if Russell Wilson is bad with whoever D'Amico Ryans brings in to be his offensive coordinator, well, then it was a Russ problem. If he's fixed, if he's better, if he's what he was in Seattle, well, it was clearly mostly Nathaniel Hackett. Nothing's ever 100% and 0%. Not when it's this bad. No. In, in, in anything in life. It, right? If you yes. have a... A problem with a person, a spouse, uh, whatever. It's never 100% on one person. But I think we can fairly look at it if Russell Wilson plays well, that it was mostly on Hackett. If he doesn't play well, then it was mostly on Russ. And we're going to find out, and that's the beauty of it. I love it. I can't wait. And the fact that the Jets are on the schedule again this coming year is just hilarious, and you can't make it up. <laughs> Ooh, as maybe, maybe the opener. Another Monday night game. Hackett versus the Broncos, Hackett versus Russ. Um, if you're just joining us, uh, minutes before we signed on the, to the air today, Mike Kliss put out an article reporting that D'Amico Ryans has emerged as a top candidate to become the Denver Broncos' next head coach. If we continue to go down this road, what is the plan to fix Russ? And how much stock should we be putting into this report? All of that along with Mike Kliss himself, coming up next.